Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. So glad that you all have decided to join us in worshiping the Lord today. Uh, before I get on with the message, uh, Ron Bremeyer and his family is here. Ron, where are you at? Where's your family sitting? They're right back here. Uh, this week, Ron lost the love of his life, Nadine, uh, to her battle to cancer. And uh, anyway, Ron, we love you. We express our condolences to you and to your family. And tomorrow at 1130 to 1230 will be the visitation. And at 1 p.m. tomorrow will be a celebration of life for her. So if you're able to make it or you want to express uh, your condolences to Ron. His family is here as well today, and I know that many of you have tremendous memories of Nadine, one of the sweetest ladies. And I was sharing with the family before the service, I said, listen, your, your mom has made my job super easy tomorrow. Because sometimes funerals can be incredibly challenging for a pastor. I said, but your mom lived her life in such a way that she loved Jesus so much. And the depth of her relationship with Jesus was so deep. That tomorrow, if I bomb the funeral message, y'all should look for a new pastor. Because, I mean, she just had an incredible, incredible life. And so uh, I know that uh, we, sell, we mourn that she's not here with us presently, but that uh, we rejoice in the fact that she's in heaven and she's received her reward. And so we love you, Ron. We love your family. So, well, we've been in a series called I'll Do It Today. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've looked at some uh, very important things that if we're not intentional uh, and we keep putting things off that are very important we'll, and we can assume that there's going to be a tomorrow, how many know that we're not guaranteed tomorrow? And there are some things in life that are just too important for us to procrastinate on. And so a couple of weeks ago, uh, or a few weeks ago in the series, we talked about not procrastinating being in community. And we talked about that, how in isolation, the enemy will pick people off. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we need to extend forgiveness and that the longer that someone harbors unforgiveness in their heart, the greater the infection and pain that's caused not only to that person, but to those closest to them. Erica and I, this past week, were at a conference, and last Sunday we weren't here. I just want to express my appreciation to Romeo. He was in first service, but he did a phenomenal job preaching last week. Grateful for that. He preached a message on today is the day to trust the Lord. And if you missed that message or any of these messages, I would encourage you to watch or listen online at crosspointwaverly.com. But Erica and I flew down to Dallas for a conference. And Saturday night, we went to a church service. And then Sunday morning, we went to two different churches. And so we went to a total of three different churches last weekend. We just thought, hey, we want to experience all that Dallas has uh, for us. And uh, it was just, it was, it was a tremendous experience. And I told the first service, that the third service that we went to, we walked down this hallway and we had no idea where we were going. There's no signs. And some of you are like, well, have you looked around? We don't have adequate signage here either. Yes, I have looked around. Someone brought it to my attention even just a couple of weeks ago. They said, there's an elevator in this building? We didn't see the sign for that. Uh, so uh, anyway, we, we need to do better with signage, and this is a prime example of it. But so walk down this long corridor, walk past all these kids' classrooms. I mean, the church is huge, and they did things with excellence except for signage. And uh, come around, <laughs> come around, there's the little uh, coffee shop area. 
And Eric and I walk up to presumably what has to be the auditorium doors, and it's 10 minutes before church starts, and unlike our church where there's greeters out there, the door is open, and we're saying, come on in, welcome. You know, for those of you who come in late, the hosts are helping find you a seat and all of this friendly stuff that takes place. And Eric and I open up these doors because there's no signage to go anywhere else, and we see this official-looking security guard with an earpiece in his ear. And we walk down, you know, this corridor because they've quarantined off the, or whatever, roped off the back deal with floor-to-ceiling curtains because attendance isn't what it used to be there, apparently. And we walk down this hallway and in our corridor, and, and the guy says, no, you're not supposed to use this entrance, but since you're here, I'll take care of you. And so then about that time, then people start funneling in from the side. And so this church keeps people out in these hallways and then makes them funnel in from front to back. Some of you are like late people. You're like, that church would definitely make me show up late. But they, uh, you know, front row, I mean, they just filled it up front to, uh, to back and it was quite the experience. And so I just want to say to you, you know, feel free to fill up the front rows here. Uh, You know, I took a shower, I came back. But anyway, three tremendous services, people doing incredible things uh, for the kingdom. And then Eric and I were at this conference at the beginning of the week. And uh, it was just amazing to see uh, God working in those places as well as just speaking uh, to our hearts. But missed you last week and know Romeo did a great job. Uh, This morning, I want to talk to you about the, the subject of dreaming. And just encourage all of us that today is the day to dream. And so this morning, if I were to survey the room, I would imagine that people would fall into a number of different categories when it comes to dreaming. There are some of you right now who are living your dream. And so you wake up each day and you pinch yourself and you can't even believe that you're actually getting to live out the dream that God has placed on your heart. There are others of you who are working towards achieving your dreams. And so there are some of you who are college students who are in a certain degree program because uh, you believe that uh, that certain field is is what you want to do when you graduate from college or you're in a trade school and you're pursuing this because that's the dream that you have and so you're working towards that. There are others of you who have a dream of having a family and having kids, and so you're in a relationship right now that's leading and leaning towards marriage and then having kids, and uh, there are others of you who are dreaming about a promotion at work, and so you're working as hard as you can to the best of your ability as worship unto God in hopes that one day you'll receive that promotion and that it'll pay off. There are others of you who have given up on dreaming. Life's dealt you a hard hand, and and you don't dream anymore. Instead, you're just in survival mode. And I would imagine there are others either here in person or watching online that some have not only given up on dreaming, but instead you've also tried to squash everybody else's dreams. You've said things like, yeah, I've tried that before, and it didn't work. It'll never work, and you're just wasting your time. Can I just encourage you, today is the day to start dreaming. And if you're young and God's not placed any dreams or visions in your heart, I would ask that today that you would pray and ask the Lord to stir your heart and work towards those. If you have dreams and are working towards those dreams, I just want to encourage you to keep it up. And if you've given up on dreams and you're a dream crusher, I pray that by the end of this message today that you would start dreaming again and that you would be supportive of other people's dreams and that you would have a change of heart. One of the dreams and desires that God has is that everyone on the planet would be followers of him. In 2 Peter 3, verse number 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, 
but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's dream and desire for everyone is that they would experience the love that he offers. And all of us should have a desire to make God's dreams come true. For those of you who aren't followers of Jesus, I pray that by the end of this message today that you would choose to become a follower of him. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 2, he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Some versions say today is the day of salvation, but the ESV version says now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not the next day, not when you get older, but instead now. When I was in college, there were some students who were living uh, rebelliously, and their statement was, well, I got to hurry up and get all of this out of me now, because when I graduate and I go on with my real life and whatever that has, then I won't be able to do what I'm trying to get out of my system now. And some of you are like, that is brilliant thinking. But I'm going to tell you where that breaks down. Number one, it breaks down in this, number, that ungodly stuff was never meant to enter your life. So when you say, I got to get it out of me, it was never meant to go in you to begin with. The second is this, is there's no guarantee that what you put into you is going to come out. And the third is it could disqualify you from fulfilling or living your dream. So I don't watch a lot of TV, but at night I'll watch uh, an episode of Lone Star Law or Northwoods Law. It's uh, a TV show where crews follow game wardens around the state as they're enforcing the laws. And, uh, and so uh, there are times when they'll come across kids that are underage drinking, or they'll come across people who are hunting or fishing illegally, or come across people who are doing drugs. And several times with different scenarios on this show, the people who've been caught in those scenarios will say things to the game warden like, yeah, I'm really hoping to become a game warden someday. And the game warden will say, well, you just put the nail in the coffin of that ever happening. Because what you just did will prohibit you from ever being able to do that. Or they'll extend grace and they'll say, we're going to give you a warning this time. But you just need to know if this is your dream, if you continue down this path, it will disqualify you from that. You have no idea how sin is going to impact you in the long term. And someone once said that sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you there longer than you ever wanted to stay. Sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you there longer than you ever wanted to stay. And each addiction has a first time. And so I want to encourage you today to not delay, no matter what age or season of life that you're in, let today be the day where you choose salvation and make God's dream come true by becoming a follower of him and experience the freedom and the deliverance that he offers. In Acts chapter 2, verse number 17, Luke quotes the prophet Joel from chapter, Joel chapter 2, verse number 28, and here's what it says. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word, for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us, open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. In the previous series that 
we preached, it was called There Is More. We talked about the Holy Spirit. We talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this verse says that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. And so male and female, young and old, rich and poor, however else you want to categorize people, God says he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. How many know that the global church needs more dreamers? The global church needs more dreamers. And I'm not just talking about pastors and missionaries and evangelists dreaming. We need the church as a whole to be dreaming. And I love that this verse says that the young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And when I read this verse in preparation for this message, I wondered why is there this distinction there? And then I realized, yeah, it only makes sense that older men would dream dreams because the older we get, the more we sleep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the sympathy laugh in the back. <laughs> but it seems like the normal pattern in, in life is that the older we get, the less we dream. And if you're older in the room today, I pray that you would never quit dreaming. So as we define these terms here, a vision is a supernatural event where the Holy Spirit will give you supernatural insight to a situation. It's like a dream in the sense that uh, there's imagery that's there, but you're not asleep. And then dreams are a divine revelation when God speaks to your heart about, this, about a situation or the future. And God is still speaking to men and women today through visions and through dreams, young and old, dreaming dreams and having visions. And uh, this week, as Eric and I were at this conference, there was a pastor from Sweden who uh, was sharing what's going on in their church and in their nation. And he said, in Europe, the Afghan refugees are showing up. And he said, as a church, we've positioned ourselves to reach out to them and welcome them and help them. And he says what's happened is Jesus has been revealing himself to them in dreams and in visions, and so now they're showing up to the church saying, I saw this man in a dream or vision, and I need you telling me more about him. Y'all, that's incredible. And so this morning when we prayed that Jesus would reveal himself through dreams and visions to Muslims, he's doing it. And so let's continue to pray that that happens. In addition to those supernatural moments, there are times when the Holy Spirit leads us to a God-inspired dream or vision to accomplish. This morning I want us to dive into three different characters, the story of three different characters in the book of Acts who were living out their dreams and the visions that God had placed in their heart. There was this man named Saul who was this horrific human being. Uh, he persecuted and even killed followers of Jesus. And one day, by the grace of God, he has this encounter with God, and his life has changed forever. And so remember how we started this message out, that it's God's desire and his dream that none should perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. And here's this man, the worst of the worst, persecuted and even killing Christians, and it was God's desire that even him would be saved. And so he has this encounter with God. His life has changed forever. And Saul, it was his name, got radically saved, and his name was changed to Paul. So this morning when you hear me talking about Saul and Paul, I'm talking about the same person, but his name changed after he was saved. And once 
Paul got saved, he immediately got baptized. And so I just want to encourage you, if you've not taken that step of obedience to get water baptized, uh, I would encourage you to take that step. Find me, find one of the pastors, call our church office, let us know when it would work for your schedule. And any Sunday morning, we'll set up the baptismal tank and, uh, and, and baptize you. So Paul gets radically saved, baptized, and immediately begins preaching Jesus in the synagogues. And people are puzzled and they're confused by this. They're concerned. And they wondered, is he really one of us? Or is he just pretending to be one of us so that he can inflict even more pain on the church community? And in Acts chapter 9, verse number 26, it records this interaction when Paul went to Jerusalem. In Acts 9, verse 26, it says, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted, Paul attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, For they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Paul's reputation was potent. He had inflicted tremendous pain on disciples of Jesus. And while the believers would have experienced God's grace upon their life, and in theory they would believe that God's grace could extend to all people, they wondered if it really could extend to Paul and if he had really experienced that great. Paul's past was a lot for most to overcome. In verse number 27 it says, but Barnabas... Barnabas leveraged his influence and he stuck his neck out on the line for Paul to vouch for him and to say that he's the real deal, that he's one of us. And Paul and Barnabas and this guy named John Mark traveled together. They preached the gospel. They're ministering together. And in Acts chapter 13, verse number 13, it says that Paul and his companions set sail for Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. There's this Second sentence here, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. It's important because it's going to cause a conflict in the relationship of Paul and Barnabas as a result of this statement. And so Paul and Barnabas set sail, uh, but there's one person that didn't go along with them. John left them, and the trip that Paul and Barnabas were about to take was treacherous. It was dangerous. It wasn't going to be easy. They weren't flying first class or economy plus. Right? It was over flooded streams and flooded rivers, raging rivers, and through the mountains was their way to go. And for whatever reason, John Mark didn't go along. And as you read through Acts chapter 13 through 15, you can read the exploits that they had and how God used them mightily in that time. And in Acts chapter 15, verse number 36, Paul and Barnabas are about to, to go on a different journey somewhere else. And Barnabas says, hey, let's take John Mark to come with us. And Paul's not thrilled about that idea. And so here's his response in Acts chapter 15, verse number 36. It says, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. There arose a sharp disagreement. So that they separated from each other, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, 
But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul and Barnabas had traveled so far physically and metaphorically together. Barnabas had jumped Paul into the community and helped him get his start. And people weren't, when people weren't sure about Paul, Barnabas eased their minds. Yet in this moment, they weren't in agreement. Paul was not interested in giving John Mark a second chance because he had abandoned them in the previous mission. And again, we don't know why John Mark didn't go along. I've read to you the relevant verses to this passage uh, and to this sermon today. There's no explanation as to why he didn't go along and why it upset Paul uh, so much. But Paul would have been around the age of 35 when they went on this journey, and John Mark would have been around 23. And if you're new to reading a Bible and you don't know anything about Paul, uh, I'll just tell you that wherever he went, peace and prosperity did not follow him, and it wasn't a message that he preached. And this is how he describes himself and what he says about himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 23. It says, he's been far, in far more imprisonments with countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received the hand, at the hand of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. He's not talking about on drugs instead. Thank you. Uh, talking about rocks being thrown at him. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. So I don't know why John Mark didn't want to go along with them on this journey. The vision that God had given to Paul was to plant churches, and no cost was too great for him, and nothing was going to stand in his way. But what God had for Paul was different than what he had for John Mark. And so in study for this message, there were a number of theories, but no proof as to why John Mark didn't go. And so I'm just going to ask this morning that you would provide for me the opportunity to, uh, to use some creative liberties here and say this. It could be as simple as John Mark just simply wasn't ready for that next trip. Just because Paul and Barnabas were going doesn't mean that he was supposed to go also. And who knows, but that what he could have encountered on the way could have crushed him physically or crushed him spiritually because he wasn't ready to carry on the dream and the vision that God had given to Paul. And so here's what I want to say to us this morning. Just because God has given you a vision to fulfill doesn't mean that he's also given everyone else that vision. And if he's given you a vision, then he'll give you what you need to accomplish it. In other words, if he's given you the vision, he'll give you the provision. And John Mark wasn't ready for it, and so he didn't go. And God uh, had a different purpose for him. And just because God has given a vision or a dream to someone else doesn't mean that it's for you to chase that same dream and chase that same vision. In fact, if you chase someone else's dream or vision that God hasn't given to you, it could leave you crushed. And so with Paul and Barnabas, you have these two great men who are eager to serve the Lord, who are willing to go wherever and do whatever uh, for them. But in this moment, there's a sharp disagreement and they're not moving forward together. In life, I've experienced some great people and run across some incredible people. And there are some amazing people who I've encountered that when I've met them personally, 
I've gone, wow, they really are incredible. God's incredible, they're incredible, and you just stand in awe of how God uses them. And when you meet them in person, you think, wow, they really are that talented, they're that anointed, they're that special, and they could do anything. And I think Paul was like this. I think if you met Paul, you would go, wow, he really is the real deal. He, God working through him, he really can accomplish anything for the kingdom. There are also others that are equally amazing, equally as talented, uh, accomplishing more ministry than I could ever dream of accomplishing. And yet when you meet them face to face, you leave not only thinking that that person is amazing, but that you also could achieve anything. They inspire you to be better and they make you better. And being around those people is encouraging. We had a missionary visit our church back in May. His wife was supposed to come. I know her better. She was sick. She wasn't able to make it. I knew him less. And so he comes into the building and we're having this interaction. And I'm just telling you from start to finish of his time here, he was an encourager. And so, so much so that we leave from my office and walk down the office hallway and he says, whoa, look at this hallway. This hallway is amazing. Right? And some of you are laughing, and I was laughing because I was like, it's a hallway. But his encouragement was sincere, but unfortunately unusual. And when you're around this guy, you look at him and you go, wow, God is incredible. God working through him is incredible. And then there's this belief in you that God working in you, you could do anything. Barnabas was an encourager. In fact, Barnabas' name means son of encouragement, and he lived up to that name. And when people were around Barnabas, they not only thought that God was amazing, that Barnabas was amazing, but that God working through them, they could be amazing also. And John Mark was the recipient of two different styles of leadership from his elders. John Mark had a vision to accomplish, and he had a dream. And he set one trip out, and he was ready to go on the next mission, and Paul said no to that. And I want you to hear this today, that even a man like Paul can be a dream crusher. Even a godly man like Paul can be a dream crusher. Here's this godly man who's accomplished so much for the kingdom, so much for God, yet in his stubborn pride, he was unwilling to give another chance to a fellow brother and part ways with a different one. Sometimes we don't even know the influence that we have with people or the power of the words that we speak. In 2007, after a number of services and meetings, my wife and I had raised our full budget to become missionaries to India, and uh, we talked to our area director and our financial specialist and uh, told them where we were at, and they said, why don't you go ahead and book your tickets because the longer you wait, the more it's going to cost you. And so they told us to do it, and so we listened to our immediate supervisors, but unfortunately, we didn't have the final clearance from somebody else to do that. And so word got back to this individual that we had booked our airline tickets, and Erica and I had scheduled a, uh, a vacation to Disney World, and we had just pulled into the parking lot at Disney World in Florida when my phone rang. And I answered the phone, and this guy begins to just yell at me over the phone. Did you book airline tickets? Yes. Why did you do that? You're so stupid. 
that's a really stupid decision. And I just called the travel agency that you just booked your tickets from, and I canceled it, and I just saved your bacon. I'm like, you didn't save my bacon. You canceled my tickets. And now it's going to cost me $500 more to book them when you finally get the checks on the boxes that need to be checked. So are you going to make up that difference? I didn't say that to him. That's what I want to say to him. He's just yelling at me over the phone. I kid you not, I'm not making this up. It's not hyperbole. Yelling at me over the phone saying, if you're going to make decisions like this, then you're going to be a horrible missionary. So I'll just tell you that Erica and I were so determined to chase after the dream that God had placed upon our heart that that man's words to me Weren't gonna, wasn't going to stop that from happening. And the funny part is because he was yelling, he had his door closed, and he was yelling, this, the office that he's in is multiple levels, it's big office space, and so people outside his door could hear him yelling at me. Word, word made it down to this office where uh, this friend of mine worked, and so my phone starts ringing. You know, what happened? You know, are you okay? And this lady calls me who had... Uh, there are multiple people who look at your finances when you're in this process. And so when people would support us on a monthly basis, this lady would get all of the pledge forms from people. And so there was a friendship that was there. And she called me and she said, I'm so mad right now. I want to go upstairs and wring his neck. (laughs) I'll just tell you that I would not place that man in the category of a Barnabas, a son of encouragement. Okay? I'd place him in a different category. (laughs) That story is extreme, right? But how have you responded to the dreams of your spouse? How have you responded to the dreams of your kids, your grandkids, and others? Your words have power. That's why we have to guard to not be dream crushers. Barnabas gave John Mark a second chance. Barnabas was a dream enabler. One of the details of the story is that John Mark was actually the nephew of Barnabas. And I think an element of this narrative this morning is this, that clearly Barnabas was naturally an encourager. It's who he was. It's what he did. But he also knew the importance of investing in the next generation. And Barnabas wasn't going to give up on him, and so he took him on a separate journey, a separate missionary journey. Larry Osborne, in his book, Accidental Pharisees, says this, it's hard to believe But the self-described chief of sinners, the poster child for God's unmerited grace and mercy, refused to give John Mark a second chance. And time seems to have proved Paul wrong because God chose John Mark to write the gospel of Mark, which means that God considered him worthy to write part of the Bible, but Paul didn't think he was worthy to go on a short-term missions trip. Go figure. Now, I would imagine with these two that John Mark was doubtlessly immature in this season. And as time went by, John Mark would have matured and Paul probably would have mellowed out a little bit. So there is a happy ending to this story in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 11. Paul writes this, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. Barnabas saw something in John Mark that Paul didn't see. Barnabas saw in the spirit what Paul only saw in the flesh. 
If God has given you a vision or a dream, chase after it. And don't let people try and squash in the natural what God has revealed to you in the supernatural. Not everybody's gonna see what you see. Not everybody's gonna be given the vision that you've been given or the dreams that you've been given. Think about the story of Noah. Following in obedience to God, he builds a giant ship on dry ground. Imagine the ridicule that he experienced, but, but Noah saw something that others couldn't see. I asked Pastor Gary, the founding pastor of our church, a mentor of mine, why there's this distinction in the verse of young men having visions and old men dreaming dreams. And, and I shared with him that when, when I was a teenager, God gave me very two very vivid, very real dreams. They weren't visions. They were dreams. I was asleep when it happened. And one of them uh, came to pass the same way that it happened in the dream. And so I just want to say this, that that God can give dreams to young people and visions to old people. It's not just limited to visions to young people and dreams to old people. But this is what he said. He said, God gives vision to young men who are going to carry it out. And he said, old men dream dreams because they need to equip and raise up the next generation and help them carry it out. And how beautiful to partner the young passion with the depth of faith of the older generation. So no matter what our age or season of life, it's time to ask God for dreams and visions. What does God want to do in you? What does he want to do in your family? I thought about this this week that there are people who immigrate to our nation and they have to learn an entirely new language, an entirely new culture. And so for me, like, when I was growing up, I didn't have to learn English as a second language or the culture. I was born into this. But to think that there are people who immigrate to our country and have to learn a new culture and learn a new language. And then when they have children, the next generation grows up differently than the first generation. English isn't their second language, it's their first language. And they experience the culture of both places and they uh, live in, in this place together. And, and, I, and I realized that in our church, there are some of you who come from a long line of believers. As far back as you can look into your family history, your family were followers of Jesus. I'm grateful that for me that that's my story. I can look back and my great-great-grandmother was a follower of Jesus and my great-grandmother was a follower of Jesus and my grandmother was a follower of Jesus and my parents weren't followers of Jesus until I was 16, but now they're followers of Jesus. And so as we look at this story of Barnabas and John Mark, I think there has to be this element where as he looks at how, he, how Paul handled the situation that Barnabas says, there's no way that I'm allowing John Mark to be crushed and for the spirit to not move on to the next generation. And so I'm just gonna tell you, when you talk about personal dreams or visions that I have, one is this. For my kids is that they would love Jesus and love his church. It's simple, it's easy to say. Some people are really good at coming up with, uh, with strategic messaging, and I'm not. But I just tell you that a number of years ago, I just felt like that's the vision for my, for my kids. I want them to love Jesus and love his church. I don't want the faith 
that has been instilled and passed down from generation to generation to me to stop at my generation. I want to see it continue with my kids and to my grandkids and my great-grandkids. And so here's what I know this morning is that there are some of you who come from that long lineage. And so for you, being a follower of Jesus is not a second language and it's not a new culture. But there are others of you who are new in your relationship with Jesus and you don't come from that kind of lineage. And so for you, as you read the Bible, it's like learning a whole new language. It's learning a whole new culture. And I just want to encourage you to stick with it, to hang in there. And that for you, even if it's starting with your generation, that you would make a commitment to pass it on to the next. And so this morning, for those that God has given dreams and visions, and you've dropped them, you've gotten discouraged or disillusioned, and you just let them go, I want to encourage you this morning to pick those back up and allow the Holy Spirit to help you see those dreams and visions come to fulfillment. For those of you who are chasing after your dreams, you've not quite accomplished it yet, but the dreams that God has placed on your heart, keep at it. For those of you who life has kicked you in the teeth and you've been a dream crusher, I want to encourage you today to number one, ask God for forgiveness. And then secondly, to ask him to show you those dreams and visions again that you could start living for and encouraging others. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior and you say, today I want to enter into a relationship with him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time, or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand, you can put it down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's stand all across this room. There was at least one hand that went up of somebody who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who needs to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer here in person or online, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you along in your journey. The prayer team is moving to the front as we speak. And 
As they do, I want to pray over us. And then when I say amen, the worship team is going to lead us in a song. And if you've come in this morning needing prayer for anything, I would encourage you to step out of your seat this morning and come forward and let one of these people pray with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that you are still giving men and women, young and old, visions and dreams. And so this morning, I pray for those who've given up that today that they would realize that there's hope and that once again that dream would be rebirth inside of their heart and they would chase after what you've placed in their hearts to follow after. God, I pray that, that you would uh, raise up more Barnabases, sons of encouragement. Lord, that that would be our natural leaning as people say that they've heard from you and that you've given them a vision and given a dream. Lord, would we be people like Barnabas to come alongside and encourage people? God, I thank you for those in this room that are chasing after the dreams that you've placed in their heart and they're living out the dreams that you've placed in their heart. But God, as we look at the task ahead, your dream is that none should perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. And so God, we realize that as we survey the demographics of our community, that there are thousands of people within a 10 mile radius of our church that don't go to church, that are far from you. And so, Lord, we need for you to birth inside of us visions and dreams to accomplish the dream that you have that none would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. And so, God, young and old this morning, I pray that you would birth dreams and visions to accomplish your mission. And we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.